mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 11 as we continue through the testimony of John concerning Jesus the Christ. And if you remember, as we closed out chapter 10, really, Jesus has presented himself to the Jewish nation, and he's been rejected, totally rejected. In fact, they picked up stones, they were going to kill him. And as we closed it out, we were told that uh, in verse 40, 10 verse 40, number of judgment, that he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true. And many believed in him there. So he has separated himself, removed himself away from the Jewish nation, which has rejected him completely. They've totally rejected him. And he's going to be in this area for two or three months. And then we're going to see that he's called back to the same place because of Lazarus, who is we're going to be introduced here in chapter 11. But he's essentially completely finished with his ministry to the Jewish nation because they've rejected him. And now he's going to withdraw and just be speaking with his disciples. And the things that he's doing are going to be so that they continue to believe and follow him. And so if you remember, chapter 11, I you might say, is like the hall of faith faith of the miracles of Jesus. This is going to be the biggest one he does. He's going to, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Now listen to me. Not resurrection, because there is a difference. Resurrection, Jesus is going to be the first fruit of the resurrection. And he's going to get up and stay up. Lazarus is going to be raised but he's going to die again. And then he has the future resurrection with us. But Jesus has to become the first fruits of the resurrection first before anybody else can become or be raised from the dead. So as we look at this, he is withdrawn. And, and I really don't know exactly where I'm going to completely go with this uh, today. I'm trusting the work of the Holy Spirit uh, but we do know that he's in his, his private ministry. He's been rejected. And we're going to see the, the, really the final miracle that he does 
that represents what he does with you and me. And if you would look at John 20, you would know that there is so much more. But why did John write to us? And I like to remind you of this because sometimes we can lose train of that he has a specific purpose in mind of what John is doing uh, as he writes by the power of the Holy Spirit. In John 20, verse 30, we see, And truly Jesus did many other miracles, many other signs. Once again, raising Lazarus from the grave is going to be the capstone of this. He did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, his pupils, his learners, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe, you may put your spiritual trust in Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, he is the anointed of God, he is the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Listen, we're going to cover that verse. I've covered it a couple of times, I think, thus far. And I want you to see it again. Are you having life in his name? Listen, that's why this, this book is written. That's why the Bible is here. That's why God died and rose again for us to come so that we can have life in his name, his character, his nature, his authority, his will, according to his kingdom, not continue to live death. Not continue to live in some way that is not biblical. Now, I'm saying that because much of the Christian church, there's always a remnant, much of the Christian church, they're still seeking the living among the dead. Remember, this is still resurrection month, except resurrection day is every day for you and I. We live with the knowledge, with the authority that we know that Jesus rose from the grave. And one day, that's our blessed hope. But positionally, we've already been raised. But how are you living as you read the scriptures? Is this a religious performance for you? Is this something that doesn't affect your daily walk in life? Listen, Paul said to the Galatian church, who had, he, he was concerned about them being bewitched. How did you get bewitched so, much, so quickly the way that, that Eve was bewitched by the devil? But he said to them in Galatians 2.20, that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Have you been crucified with Christ today? Do you understand that position, that place? I'm going to read... Probably the first 16 verses. I would love to read the first 44, uh, but not going to work for us. It's just way too much material. I'd like for you to probably read the chapter this week, today, and kind of look at it and get a, a grasp of what's going on. It helps us. Uh, it, Jesus is going to declare that he is the resurrection and the life. Listen to me. He is the resurrection and the life. Amen. And resurrection, of course, means 
uh, to stand up again, but it also means a recovery of spiritual truth. The nation of Israel was apostate. They had walked away from God. They didn't understand spiritual truth. Jesus is saying he is the one who stands us back up again. He is the voice to listen to for spiritual truth. And he is the life. And it's very important that we understand that. But I want you to maybe have a little different thought today, but I want you to see where we're at and how God is pulled away from the whole nation as a whole. And now he's dealing with a family. He's going to be dealing with his children. And then he's going to, he's going to go and, and speak to a specific family who's dealing with the loss of a loved one. But he already knows what he's going to do. So don't get lost in it because many people have gotten lost in it and, and they try to attribute things that are going to go on in the text to something that Jesus doesn't know when Jesus knows that he's already going to speak. He's going to speak, listen, and Lazarus will hear his voice and come out of the grave. So you want to see this as the type of you and I being dead. We're born dead. We hear his voice and we get up and we come out of the grave. We don't live in the grave anymore. We live in the newness of life. We walk in the newness of life. We've become new creations. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And as we cover the chapter, you'll see that it's not just about Lazarus. It's about all of us understanding that this miracle is recorded specifically so that we will know how to live in body life as the body of Christ. Because he comes forth and then he tells the others to unwrap him from the grave clothes. And I'm getting ahead of myself. It's next week's lesson, God willing. But we need to understand that fellowship is a vital, important part of the body of Christ. And people help unwrap us and take off the grave clothes. And we see the example of others in how we're supposed to live. Now, a certain man, John 11, 1, was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, so he gives us the exact person, the, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, 
but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about the taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go with him, that we may die with him. Father, we pray that you would unwrap this as you unwrap our grave clothes, unwrap this text so that we may believe. And that by believing, we may go and we may die with you also. That you could raise us again. Pour out your spirit, have your way with us. Minister to us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, a certain man, it's whomsoever, it's whoever, was sick. And it means that he has a malady. Uh, He's feeble. He's diseased. He's impotent. Listen, listen. I think that's very important. Because a lot of times we think we're important and we need to know that we're impotent, not important. Listen, he's the famous one. Jesus says. And yet he still comes and dies for us. And we're sick. It comes from a word that means strengthless or without strength. Um, It it means literal strength or moral strength. We have no way of morally recovering from death. Right? And so we're given everything about this text. There's a man, he's sick morally sick his name Lazarus and where does he live Bethany Lazarus um, means whom God helps listen we're all morally sick we're all feeble we're all impotent not important even though we're important to God and he loves us and Lazarus means whom God's help who, who God, whom God helps. He's here to help us all. That's why he died. That's why he rose again. That's why he came to help us all to recover from our moral plight of death. And Lazarus is of Bethany. That's the town that he was in. Bethany. Well, hang on a minute. Lazarus is from, which I love, from the Old Testament, Eleazar. Now, I didn't know that until I started doing this study. Eleazar is the Old Testament type of the Holy Spirit. Eleazar was Abraham's head servant from Damascus, the oldest city on the planet. Eleazar was the one who came alongside to help Abraham. Listen. And now in the New Testament, we have a name that comes from that, and it's Lazarus, whom God helps. And he's from Bethany, which simply put could mean date house. 
and I'm weird in my brain, I look it up, date house, or listen, house of misery, house of death. Listen to me, Bethany, date house, and of course it's a tree that bears dates. You guys with me yet? There's a tree of life that bears a date that each one of us has a destiny with God. There's a tree of life. Now, see, I just twisted that word. Dates is a fruit. But see, if you meet that date and you meet Jesus, you're going to bear fruit. Your life is not going to stay the same. So the word is being used interchangeably here in my brain. And I just want to relate it to you for your brain. Or more importantly, for your soul. It means the great palm tree. I like that because we always celebrate his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And he wants to make a triumphal entry into your life. And there's a date that's been set and a place that's been set for you to bear fruit. And it has to be done through the Holy Spirit. And that's why Lazarus, who is dead, the only way he's going to come out is by the Holy Spirit. The one who comes to help him. That's how the fruit is going to be born, is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't get lost in what I'm saying. There is an actual true text here where there was a man and he had two sisters and they were a family and there was pain and suffering and he died and they didn't know what to do. So they said a prayer and they sent to Jesus. And because Jesus loved them, he came to them. But he waited to the perfect date, the perfect time to come to us. So remember, when you're praying, sometimes it's just not time yet. It's just not that date yet. But God will show up in your life, and you can believe his promises always. So listen, we're told he, where he's at. It's Lazarus, whom God helps. And he helps all who call upon him as long as we call up him according to his scriptures and not according to making God of our own understanding. And he's in the Bethany, um, great palm tree, the town. And I like this because I'm real simple. And I'm like, what, what, what's that mean? It's, it's, it's the town. And the town, when you look it up, it means a hamlet. That's right. I've never read any Shakespeare. Don't know anything about Shakespeare. Couldn't tell you the first thing about Shakespeare. But now because the title of Hamlet, I know a little bit more. Hamlet is a, a cluster of houses in a little city. And so now I know that Hamlet must be set in this little village about some people. I don't know anything else because I never read it. Never studied it. And I would be very careful, listen to me, I would be very careful in following and reading and trusting in anything that the world is underneath the sway of the wicked one would instruct you to read so that they can indoctrinate you all to be the same Pied Piper's mouse to follow their indoctrination when God has already called us to follow his voice. Listen to me. When the God of the universe who would come and be our friend and die for us and yea, raise again and say, if you believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Isn't that the voice you want to listen to? 
especially when you know, 1 John 5, 19, that I know you're of God and that the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. And if the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one, wouldn't it just be natural to assume that the wicked one is going to set up a system so you'll listen to his voice in unbelief and not listen to God's voice? Listen, because we're all born dead, we're all going to be in a grave, and it's all about the voice that you're training yourself to listen to. How do I know that? Well, let's look over at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Whose voice is going to speak when the graves open up? Whose voice do you need to hear? Whose voice is Lazarus going to hear when he says, Lazarus, come forth? Whose voice are you training? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Listen, we've just seen Jesus deal with, in the last few chapters, well, I can take you all the way back to the wedding in Cana of Galilee, the first miracle he does at a wedding. The last one will be at a wedding when you and I cross the finish line. All of this life right now is about adorning us as a bride to make ready for the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he comes to someone who is, who is caught in adultery in chapter 8 and thrown before him. And let's quicken it, let's quicken it. Where are your accusers? There are none, Lord. Well, neither do I accuse you. I've came to wake you up. I've came to speak to you. I've came to tell you that I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you'll not dwell in darkness. I came to open blind eyes. Next chapter, blind from birth. And if your eyes will open up and you'll listen and you'll hear my next chapter i'm the good shepherd you can keep following me and you can follow me out of the grave because that's where i got up from and i've already proven that that's the evidence that i'm the anointed the messiah of god and now if you will open your blind eyes and listen to my word and hear my voice i will lead you out of the grave but it's going to be my voice that you hear it's first thessalonians 4 13, I read this over my wife's grave a couple weeks ago, a week ago, yesterday. Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica that was concerned about loved ones who had fallen asleep. This is after Jesus has gotten up. So now others can get up and they will get up. That's our blessed hope. God has defeated death. There's no victory in death. There's no sting in death. Why is it important? The wages of sin is death. Why did Christ come? To defeat death. To defeat the works of the devil. To destroy his kingdom. To overthrow him and to recover. To bring the recovery of breath to you and I. And that recovery of breath is found in the presence of the Lord as we spend time with the Lord. Hang on to that thought. We're going to get back to it. 4.13, But I do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, because he's teaching them now. He's writing them now. And they're uninformed and they don't understand what's going on. Concerning what? Those who have fallen asleep. You're going to see it in the text. Lazarus is sleeping. Uh. So he has to say plainly, Lazarus is dead. 
to euphemism for those who die. See, the body goes into the grave, this earthly tent that's made to wear out, but the spirit goes to be with God. Listen, he give us an earthly tent. He's going to tell us in John 14, as we get there, as he keeps walking us through death, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. It's a dwelling place for spirits, our spirits, if we believe in Jesus. There are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you that where I go, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you, that where I am, you may be also. What hope there is in Christ. Not in this world, in Christ. So they've fallen asleep. And he says, Don't be uninformed, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Listen, because if you're uninformed, what happens? You begin to act like the world. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. See, we have a hope. We have a God who has died and told us everything he's doing. He said, I'm coming back. For if we believe, that's pistio, that Jesus died and rose again, there's the whole gospel, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you, listen to me, this is what he's saying, this is the encouragement, this is the truth and the word of God. For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, this is straight from the mouth of Jesus, that we who are alive, you and I still breathing, heart beating, oxygen coming in, and remain until the coming of the Lord, he's coming soon, will by no means proceed, go before those who are asleep. He's in the grave. For the Lord himself came once, he's coming again, will descend from heaven, where he's at now, seated at the right hand of the Father, with a shout. Everyone will hear it. Now look, and with the voice of an archangel. You're going to hear a voice. He's going to call your name the same way he calls Lazarus out of this grave. And what happens then? And with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ, those who are asleep in the grave now, will rise first. I believe they're just getting up first. They're six feet lower than us because it's the, the, at, the, at the cross, the ground is level. We're all going to all meet the Lord at the same time, in the air at the same time. We're all going to be there at the same time. There's no time outside of this planet. So we're all going to go, whoo, and we'll be there with the Lord. But the dead's going to rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Are we together now? Man, it's a good thing that God's going to bring us all together like that because we're so separated in the body of Christ. There's so much division. There's one spirit, but so much division. Caught up, that's the word harpazo, the Latin vulgate. It's the word where we get rapturo from. Together with them 
in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we're all going to meet the Lord at the same time in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Are you comforting anybody with these words? The blessed hope that he's coming back, that he's going to take us all home. Listen to me. And I'm going to keep going. I want to go just a little bit further. Because really, these numbers aren't here when you're reading a a scroll. When it was all written down, man put this down so I can tell you now we're in chapter 5, verse 1. But here's the contrast. Comfort one another. But the contrast is this. Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Do you guys know that perfectly? See, because if the Spirit of God is speaking to the child of God and you're hearing the voice of God, then you should know this perfectly, that God is going to come like a thief in the night and we're supposed to be watching, we're supposed to be ready, we're supposed to be working, we're supposed to be found faithful doing what He's called us to do. Not doing what we want to do listening to every other voice, following every other way, every other path. Three, for when they say, and they're getting ready to say, first they have to create the chaos. See, the devil loves to do that. He's got your house on fire in the backyard, and then he runs around front and knocks on your door and goes, hey, you home? Yeah, I'm home. Well, hey, I just noticed there's a fire out back, and we're here to help you. Here's this can. This will help. And it's a can of gasoline to help put out your fire. Listen, they have to create the chaos before they can say, here we are to save the day and say peace and safety. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. But you look at the contrast. Second, but you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Now, listen, that doesn't mean that you can't click the switch off. Doesn't mean that you can't mess up and stumble in darkness. Doesn't mean that you can't sin, but that's not our position. That's not our place. That's not who our father is. We are following Jesus. We believe in the light of the world. We're looking for the lamp that's on our path and a light that's to our feet. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Now, this is a spiritual sleep now. It's not the physical sleep that you've seen over in chapter 4 where somebody actually dies. This is talking about let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch. Stay awake and watch. Can't you watch for one hour? And be sober. Listen, and when we say this in America, we've been brainwashed to think That when we say sober, it means I've been drinking. No, you can be drunk and intoxicated with anything. The word for the drunkard that shall not inherit the kingdom of God is the word methe. 
It's where we get methamphetamines from. It means to be habitually intoxicated with anything other than you're dead, you're impotent, you're in the grave, and Christ is leading you out. And now it's not my will, but thy will that should be done if we truly have heard the voice of God. So we need to be awake, watching, sober-minded. Awake, you who sleep, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Finding out what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, which dissipates, but be always be being filled with the Holy Spirit of promise, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always to God the Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Ephesians 5, 14 through 21, I believe. Seven. See, six, number of man. Don't be asleep. Watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, drunk at night. Eight, but let us who are of the day, we're of the light, be sober. This is what we should be doing in the newness of life. Eight is the number of new beginnings. If we become new creations, if we're hearing his voice, if we're being led out of the grave and we know that this is not our home, let us be sober-minded, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation the end of our salvation where we've been made whole for god did not appoint us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our lord jesus christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing now, he says you're already doing it, and he tells us down the corridors of time. But are we doing it purposefully with the power of the Holy Spirit? Is he teaching a topical? Back to John 11. Where are we at in this walk with God? Where are you at in being led out? I can't even find the book of John. Is it in the New Testament? I lost my bookmark somehow. Did I put it somewhere else? My goodness. We're with Lazarus, whom God helps. It's one of my favorite bookmarks. Where'd it go? Lazarus, whom God helps. This is my favorite one now. In the little hamlet of Bethany, and it's called the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Now, I don't know if you remember, we've talked about Mary. Mary, 
This is not the mother of Jesus. This is a different Mary. Mary means their rebellion. That's what Mary means. So they're in the town of their rebellion, the little hamlet. And her sister Martha, well, let's back up a minute because it's so fun to do. Miriam was Moses' sister. Well, who's, who's Moses? He was what we would call the law. He represents the law. He was one drawn out. And his sister name was Miriam, uh, which means rebellion or rebelliously. His brother, we were told, was Aaron, which means light bearer. He's bearing the light. He's the priest, the high priest, the very first one of all the high priests. And he's a light bearer. You and I, that's what we're supposed to be doing as priests, is bearing the light of Christ to others uh, as believer priests, after we believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. And then you have, again, the same type, Maria, which if you're reading with us through the Bible, you're in the book of Ruth. And Ruth was a Moabitess who was never allowed to come into the house of God. The Moabites and the Ammonites were of the incestuous relationship with Lot, with his daughters, and they were cursed forever. Yet, through Naomi, who changed her name to Mara, which is bitter, same word Maria, they were allowed to come in following her. She was a light bearer. She went down to Moab, her and her, her, and her uh, two sons and her, her husband, down to the Moabites because there was a famine in the land in Egypt, or excuse me, in Jerusalem. And down there, while she was down there, her husband died. Both her sons who had taken wives died. And so she says, I'm going to go back. I'm changing my name from Naomi. What, would, what did Naomi mean, friend? From friend, it wasn't friend? Okay. And both of the daughters begin to follow, and she tells them, turn back, don't follow me. For, for She's speaking of leveret marriage. If there was another child in my womb, it would be years before you could marry my son, and he could take up that post to have children to give you an inheritance, because she was still thinking of the law, the law of leveret marriage. And one of the daughters turned back to her own country, but Ruth did not. Ruth was friend, right? Ruth was friend. Naomi was my delight, in whom my delight is in. And Ruth was friend. And she became a friend. And she said to, to Naomi, who is now bitter because of the loss of life. And she doesn't understand what's going on. But she's making her way back through habit, doing the natural to go back to her homeland to die. And Ruth says, no, where you go, I will go. And your God will be my God. And she ends up going back and she's married into the family. How? By the kinsman redeemer. That's today's reading. Who is Boaz, who happens to be the grandpa. He, uh, uh, his, his dad or grandpa married Rahab the harlot from when they first come into the land from Jericho, who saved and believed God and saved everybody, the spies, and kept them safe. Listen, 
This is a long history of a family that you and I are married back into through a kinsman redeemer. Jesus became flesh and became our nearest of kin. And then he lived a perfect life and now he has the ability with his blood to buy us back because it took someone who could perfectly keep the law. And then he buys us back. But what did she do? She had to listen to counsel. She listened to what Naomi told her, where to go, where to glean, what field to work in. And all the while she's working in the field, thinking she's just doing work because of Naomi. And really behind the scenes, we see that Boaz, her kinsman redeemer, is telling all of his workers, Drop some grain here. Make sure there's extra there. Make sure she's comforted here. Make sure she's protected there. Let her come into my house. And then the light bearer, the one that has delight, Naomi tells her, go lay down at his feet. And she goes and lays down at Boaz's feet submitting completely to his walk, to his life, to his purchase, surrendering completely and humbling herself at the kinsman redeemer's feet. And it gives you and I a type of what Christ is doing in our life through this. Years later, it was a picture of what was going to happen. And now you and I need to surrender at the feet of Jesus. And you're going to see this is the example here. Mary means their rebellion. Guess what Martha means? She was rebellious. Listen, they're both there in the house. Even you and I, we're carrying our flesh around with us. They're both in the house. And you have to choose to listen. And and Martha was the one, she was rebellious, who came and anointed Jesus' feet with oil and then wiped it with her hair. She cleaned his feet. She wanted to see his walk. But she was really preparing him. The testimony is given in another gospel by another evangelist, preparing him for his burial. It was myrrh that was put upon him. One of the gifts that was given at his birth to his mother, or excuse me, two years after his birth, when they were in the house again. Who's in your house? Listen. Do you understand that you are a rebellious person in the flesh? But in the spirit, you were rebellious. But now in the spirit, we're going to see that even walking in the spirit, I can stay rebellious. She was rebellious, but I can allow that character and that nature to come up. In fact, let's look over at Luke 10. Luke 10 gives us a testimony of something else that happened with them at Bethany with Jesus and Lazarus and Mary and Martha. 1038, now it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain hamlet Bethany, and a certain woman named Martha, she was rebellious, welcomed him into her house. Have you asked Jesus into your house? 
Did you know that because of your rebellion, he needed to come in and you needed to come to salvation? And she had a sister. And this is, it's funny. Uh, um, sister can be naturally or ecclesiastically. I, I read it and I'm like, I don't even know what that means exactly. But I'm thinking that, that it can be uh, your sister by birth and norm or now we come into the family of God and that's ecclesiastical things. Like, you know, it, it means, and I'm, I'm not being dumb on purpose. I'm just telling you, those are some big words that we make up as men. We make up all these big words and we close people out from the kingdom of God. Righteousness. That's a big word, but it really just means right living before God. Well, how do I know what's right, Greg? I hear the voice of God. I'm led by the Spirit of God. I become a child of God in the house of God, and He leads me out of the pit. And I don't have to worry about anything because He's going to make sure there's fresh grain. He's going to provide for all of my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And everything that goes on, I can be content with it because He's taken me to the other side. We're here, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. And all it's required of us is to be faithful. Faithful to what? Learn to hear the voice of God, the voice of truth, and obey Him. Here's Jesus in their house at Bethany, a different time, 39, and she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. See, you could say that that's what we're doing right now. We're sitting at the feet of Jesus and we're hearing his word. Well, why would you do that? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay? This is where Mary's at. This is where their rebellion's at. This is where their impotency is at. Not their importancy. But Martha, judgment, look, 40, Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. What's distracting you? She was rebellious. She's up and moving about. She's serving. She's ministering. She's doing all of these things. But her eyes are on somebody else, her sister. Ecclesiastically and naturally. Her eyes are in the wrong place. Listen to me. And this becomes religion. It becomes your own works. It becomes your own type of what you want to do to make you feel like you were rebellious, but in fact, you're still being rebellious even doing the ecclesiastical work because you've forgotten the important thing, your first love. Watch Mary. Well, let me give you a little bit more information about distracted first. If I can find it. Sometimes I get lost in my own notes. In the King James, it means was cumbered. Encumbered might help you. Cumbered. It means to drag all around. That's what the word means. Distracted. Dragging all. She's being dragged all around because she won't rest at the feet of Jesus and know her purpose, know her place, know the power of the gospel. 
Know who she's following. Learn the voice of God and the word of God. Get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. So she's being drugged all around and she's being distracted with many cares. Listen, our memory verse, 20, Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord shall be safe. And fear means to care for, to be distracted by. To be, you're being drawn into all the things that you think is good when it's really religion that's taught by man instead of led by the Spirit of God to do the will of God for the glory of God. So it means to be, to drag all around, to be distracted it means to be drawn away or worried about the wrong things, doing the wrong things. And, and, you know, she may have been doing great, but she was going too far with it according to her standards and her religious law and not with what Jesus had said to do. I would assume that Mary and Martha both got the kitchen ready and it's said, the Lord's here, let's go. And Martha wasn't satisfied with the kitchen. Now I'm reading into the text because she couldn't just rest at the feet of Jesus. She had to be doing something. That's why I've always said here, we're waiting on the Lord. We're not going to do what everybody else is doing, because if we do what everybody else is doing, we end up apostate. We're waiting on the Lord to show us what to do, to reveal to us what to do, to speak to us what to do. So many people want to run out and start a bus ministry, start a food pantry, start everything that everybody else is doing. But did God say to do that? And I'm not saying just set and set and set and never get up and do anything. Because God is faithful. The Spirit will lead you to do the natural while He does the supernatural. It will supernaturally come out of your mouth, out of your heart, out of your life because of the Spirit of God. If we choose what Mary chose, and we'll see that in a minute, but I'm not finished telling you about Martha. See, she was troubled, she was distressed, and she was drawn away and busy. Are you busy today? You know what the number one excuse is that why people don't go to church, why people don't know Jesus? I don't have time for that. And see, the word busy is the acrostic, being under Satan's yoke. And people just think, well, let's just do something because it's harder to hit a moving target. Well, nobody's trying to hit you. You're supposed to be having a relationship with God. Why are you worried about getting hit? Death has been defeated. The grave is empty. We should be worried about surrendering to Jesus because of our rebellion, because we were rebellious, we should understand that it's so easy for our flesh to lead us back into rebellion instead of leading us into the presence of God where recovery of breath is actually given. Acts 3.19, I believe, is... Let me just read that to you really quick. Extra, extra, read all about it extra repent the first word of the gospel acts 319 repent i don't care what you tell me you believe if you do not repent i don't care it's demonic faith repent means to change your mind to change your direction to go the other way 
and not to keep going into the grave, but come out of the grave, Lazarus. Come out of the grave, Lazarus. Repent has to be there. And there's a gospel being preached in our churches that just says, believe, believe, believe. The demons believe and they tremble because they know their future. Without repentance, you cannot tell me that you believe and it be true. You cannot keep doing the same things we've always done and go with Jesus. Repent and be converted. Believe that your sins may be blotted out. Why, Greg? So that times of refreshing, recovery of breath may come from the presence of the Lord. And if you want to make a play on words, the presence of the Lord, it's a gift. It's his presence. I, I, I say all words the same. I mean, if they sound alike, they sound alike. You'll get them alike. So Martha is, is, is a believer. She was rebellious. But she's still pointing at her sister. She's still complaining about things that have no importance whatsoever. And she's busy. She's being under Satan's yoke. And when we look back in Luke chapter 10, when she is praying or asking the Lord personally right there, petitioning him, tell her to help me. How does Jesus answer? What does the voice of God say? And Jesus answered because it required an answer and said to her, Martha, Martha. Look at that endearment. It's endearment. He loves Martha. You are worried careful, anxious, and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. You guys with me still? Verse 42. There's only one thing that's needed. And Mary, their rebellion, has chosen that good part, which will, be not, which will not be taken from her. Well, what was that good part? The good part was she was resting at the feet of Jesus. You cannot go out and serve. You cannot go out and do. You cannot say, I was rebellious. If you're still doing what you want to do, but you're not meeting at Jesus' feet. You have to give him the first fruit. You have to spend time in prayer. You have to spend time in the word. You have to spend time in fellowship with his family. Not for salvation, but because of salvation. And then you won't complain. You'll have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. You're going to be sanctified. You'll be able to get up and calmly go about your business and share Jesus with the people you meet. Listen to me. You can't do the work of the ministry unless you know the God of the ministry. And that's religion. It's, it's having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. The power is in the relationship of who you know. You'll talk about who you know. You'll talk about what he's teaching you. And it'll be easy. You'll share it with the people you meet because you're being set free. The light has been turned on and you're like, I got to tell somebody. It's a fire. It's a light in my bosom. It's got to come out. And it's still not about you. You're still impotent. You're still not important. We're lifting him up so that all men can come to him, not lifting ourselves up. 
So you have to stay focused because in the busyness, Martha will want to make you the center of attention. But Lazarus is always there to remind you that it's the work of the Holy Spirit. That we're being led by the Spirit of God. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Are you busy? What are you distracted with? What is in your life that keeps you from meeting with Jesus daily, your daily bread? What is in your life that keeps you from doing that? What are you busy about? Well, Greg, I got to pay the mortgage. So I have this job and I'm in bondage. That's exactly what mortgage means. It means a death grip. And, and we're in bondage to things that we don't need to be. Listen, all this is going to burn. Yes, we need to pay our mortgage. Yes, we need to work. Yes, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Yes, these are all godly things to do as a witness. But don't make them or allow them to become idols that keep you from meeting with Jesus. He's supposed to be first. Or you can't do any of the rest of it the right way with the Spirit of God. Because you've already quenched the Spirit of God when you ignored meeting with Jesus and reminding yourself where to take your rebellion to. So that's the house we're at again. And because Jesus spent time there in their house, they know that Jesus loves them. They understand who he is, but they still don't understand resurrection. They still don't understand raising again. It's okay. So there we are, Mary, their rebellion, sister, back in chapter 11 of John, Martha, she was rebellious. And we're reminded of the testimony of how it was that Mary, verse 2, who anointed really interesting what that word is anointed um it means to knead out to knead out which was interesting i'm sorry anointed means oil or perfume where is the knead out uh wiped means to knead out or to wipe away to wipe off with her hair, so her head, her powers bowed down to the feet of Jesus, whose brother Lazarus was sick, feeble, impotent. Therefore, the sisters, pay attention, women, sisters, sent to Jesus, to him, pronoun, saying, here's their message, Lord, kurios, supreme in authority, behold, he whom you love is sick. So they knew that. They knew that Jesus loved him. Now notice this word is not agape. It's not agape. It's the word filio, where we get friendly or fond of. It's brotherly love from Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So I would have thought it was agape, but it's really just fond of. 
friend with, which is good. He's called us friends, and he tells us everything that he's doing. He's not trying to hide anything from us. Lazarus is sick. You ever pray for a loved one that's sick? And see, and this is basically what they're doing. They're sending a messenger to where they know he's at, and they know he can heal. They know he can take care of Lazarus, their brother, their family member, their one that's sick. So it's like you and I praying for a loved one who is sick because we know where our help comes from. So they sent Apostello, sent a, a, I don't know how many people, saying, Lord, behold, uh, Lazarus is sick, the one you love. Verse 4, when Jesus heard, prayer has been heard, that he said, he looked at it, he examined it, he understood, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Listen to me. You're like, wait a minute, we know already that he died. But Jesus raises him. Jesus raises him again. This is the hope. God knows everything. He's sovereignly in control. He understands. It's not out of his control. Whatever you're going through, be content in it. Find out what God is doing with it, through it, and for it. Go through it. Don't try to get around it or go over it. Don't try to barrel over it. But come to God in prayer and surrender to it because his ways are perfect. You and I would choose something so totally stupid. Oh, I didn't say you were stupid. I said we would choose something stupid for our life. We would choose this perfect path of bliss and happiness and riches, and we would miss Jesus because that's not where it's at. Through much suffering shall you enter the kingdom of God. Through hearing the voice of God will you be led out of the grave so that you can live with God. Listen, we would choose something totally different. Well, I don't want my loved one to suffer. Well, I don't want that to happen. In fact, we'll see uh, um, Martha. If you were here, we'll see Martha kind of blaming and, 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 and getting in Jesus' face maybe next week. Like it's his fault. If you would have just been here. God is here. God is always here. Listen, even when the restraining, the restrainer is removed, God will still be here. He just won't be restraining evil anymore. He'll be allowing it to have its full course because you reap what you sow. And if you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. And God is going to bring a whirlwind upon those who ignore His Word, His, His revealed Word of what He's doing. He'll bring whirlwind upon them. He's going to bring death upon them. They're living like they're dead, and He'll bring death upon them for eternity. Because you reap what you sow. 
So Jesus tells them what's going on to his disciples, to those who are with him, that the sickness is not unto debt, bodily debt, but for the glory, it's to honor, praise, and worship God, the Father. What? That the Son of God, Jesus, may be glorified through it. Isn't that what he said in verse, what is it, 9, 3? Same thing. They come to him and they go. So, he, so he's letting his disciples, his learners, his pupil, those who want to know the truth, find out truth and believe that they may have life and that more abundantly. And, you know, they ask him, who sinned that this man was born blind? Was it him or his parents, Rabbi? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. And he's not saying they weren't sinners. but that the works of God should be revealed in him. See, he's showing that, that it's because he's there at this time to do these works, to bring this testimony so that you and I will understand and we can hear and believe and have faith and have a future hope of the resurrection. We're he's going to show that he has power over death, that he can speak and bring people out of the grave. Yeah, but he loves us so much. Why doesn't he raise all of our loved ones? Because it's not about this earthly tent. Over in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, he's going to tell us we're going to get a new body in a twinkling of an eye. We get a new body, a new house that's being made in the heavenlies. And we're going to be in it for eternity with God. It's all about the spirit in the future. But God's concerned about the body. It's the temple of the Lord right now. He doesn't want us to destroy it. He wants us to use it for his glory after we meet with him and we go out in his power according to his word for his glory. So he says it's not unto death, but that he would be glorified through it. Notice the through principle, through it. You have to go through it. Some people go through death in a family. Some people go through death and see their loved ones suffer and die, and they get mad at God. You can get bitter, or you can get better. You can look for the voice of God, and the face of God, and the wisdom of God, and say, what are you doing through this, God? Or you can get mad that God didn't do something with your loved one that you wanted to do. But God is at work all around us, changing lives, drawing people to himself, and he uses death to bring life. And it's appointed for man to die once, and then comes the judgment. Are you ready for that judgment? No, 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 I did not ask you, did you go to a church, to an altar, and say a prayer? I said, are you ready for the judgment? Are you listening to the voice of God? Are you looking to meet with God and be a child of God for the glory of God? Or are you following some broken, earthly, apostate system that tells you all you have to do is say one prayer? There's a whole different thing going on when you're being led out of the grave and you know who your Lord and Savior is. Listen, I miss my wife. But that's all selfish flesh. Because I know where she's at. Now, I'm not saying that it's, it's wrong to grieve, but we don't grieve as the world grieves. 
I know where she is. And he's using it in my life, in your life, in every life that ever met her. And people will say, oh, it's not fair she suffered so much. No, it's not fair that an innocent man suffered and was beaten and took our curse and our pain. And we would reject him and say that we're doing his work when we're really not even meeting with him. We're really not even looking to serve him. We're still in the tombs taking care of self when it's the very self that needs to be crucified with him. It's the very self that needs to die. And that's what he wants to do. Or we can get mad and we can keep on pretending and playing and running headlong into death and he will let us reap what we are sowing. But it's there to shake us awake. It's there to rouse us from our sleep. It's there so that we would learn to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And if we're listening to other voices instead of looking to articulate and learn the voice of God who always speaks life, how will we know when to get up out of the grave if we don't know what his voice sounds like? My sheep hear my voice. I know them. There's a relationship because there's a betrothal. There's a desire to be like a perfect God and our groom. There's a desire to come back underneath his authority and to be led by him because he perfectly provides for us. Oh, listen to me. I'm preaching to myself more than I'm preaching to you. But while I preach to myself, you get to join in and hear it. And God will be glorified through it. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha. She was rebellious. And her sister. Now it doesn't even give their rebellion. Notice how it's left out. And Lazarus. I love it. I love it. It doesn't even give the rebellion because God remembers our rebellion no more. He, so he takes it out of the text. Now it's just the sister. And the reverse order. Now there's, she was rebellious. And we don't even see the name of Mary anymore. Because the rebellion has been taken in life. And now we have the Holy Spirit, Lazarus, and the dead one living together. The sealing of the Holy Spirit. And it should produce fruit. Verse 6. So when he heard that he was sick... He stayed two more days, long-suffering God. He's long-suffering. He wants to have, let suffering have its perfect work in you. He wants you to build endurance. He wants that to be there so you will cry out to him for help in the place where he was. At six, he's long-suffering. He's waiting on us. He's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance notice it doesn't say all come to the believing thought all come to the saving knowledge it says all come to repentance repentance is the first word of the gospel yet so many don't want to change what they're doing they don't want to change anything they're doing i'm going to keep doing everything i've done because i believe and i'm here to tell you it's demonic belief it's demonic belief. 
without repentance. It's not real. That's the Bible. All of us need to understand that repentance, metanoia, change your mind, change your direction. We're not going into the grave. We're coming out of it. We're not living in the tombs. We might go there to tell the legions of demons and souls that need saved and shine light in their darkness, but that's not where we live. That's not who we are. Verse 7, completion, redemption, sanctification. After 6, man. Then after this, he said to the disciples, those that were learning, let us go to Judea again. He shall be praised, Judea. Again? Again? Anew. Once more. Let us revisit this. He shall be praised once more. Listen, it's all for the glory of God. Always remind yourself that it's for the glory of God. He shall be praised. He shall be lifted up. Verse 8, new beginnings. You ready for the new beginning? They're concerned about Jesus. Not just the announcement of going somewhere. Even when you hear the voice of God. Even when you hear the word of God. Even when somebody breaks a message of God. Listen, you have to question it. You have to test the spirits with your new beginning. Because she was rebellious, you remind yourself that you can still follow in rebellion. Notice, it's a new beginning. So they say something to him to make sure I really like it because when you see Ananias over in Acts chapter 9, when, when, when Saul of Tarsus is getting saved on the road to Damascus, God says, go to him that he might receive his sight. He says, are you sure, Lord? Because he came here with letters to kill us all, to arrest us all. And he questions the word of God, but not with intent not to obey God, but to make sure that it was God. And it wasn't pepperoni pizza he ate last night. And now he thinks that he's supposed to do whatever he wants to do because your rebellious nature can lead you in a sermon of the world because that's what you want to do. And it lines up. I, I, I'm still saved. I said a prayer. But is it good for you? See, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable in your sanctification So, new beginning. These disciples are concerned with Jesus now, with the word. They're questioning, making sure, Rabbi, it's Master King James, the official title of honor. My great one is what it means. Think about that for a minute. Why did everybody want to be teachers? Why did everybody want to be? Think about that. Somebody go, hi, my great one. Really? A title only for one person. But yet any teacher would be called master, rabbi, teacher, my great one. That's not lifting up Jesus. They are here. Lately the Jews sought to stone you. Remember they were there before. They have went away because they re- 
totally rejected. And are you going there again? A new? See, it's dangerous. People are dying. People have no hope. People are sick. They have maladies. People are sinners. People need to hear about Jesus. And listen, if you go as a witness, if you go as a disciple, you go and you share Jesus, look at the woke culture today. They're asleep. They're mocking God. Think about it. God says, awake from your sleep. And the secular word, world says, we're not awake. They're mocking God. It's a complete antichrist system. And they want to be God over you. If you go, it's going to be dangerous. They're going to seek to kill you. But not because of who you are, because of who he is. And if you shine light, they're going to want to kill you. If you say marriage is a man and a woman, if you say that, that there's only a man and a woman, and it's not fluid, if you say children should not be mutilated and cut upon by adults who want to be pedophiles, they're going to want to kill you. Death culture wants to kill you. You're going to see that in this text, in this context, in this chapter, because Lazarus is walking around and is a living witness of the power of God, now they've decided they've got to kill two of them. They got to kill Jesus and Lazarus. They got to silence them. And I would just say, why isn't that happening in the church today? Why aren't they trying to kill us? Oh, they are, Greg. Why aren't they literally trying to kill us? Oh, we live in a civilized society. No, it's still just as evil as it ever has been. It's perilous. It's because we've cloaked the message. We've changed the gospel. Instead of the gospel changing us, we've shut up. We've dumbed up. And all we do is go out to do what self is comfortable with. And we say we said a prayer. But we're not speaking loudly in the marketplaces. We're not sharing the truth of the gospel. And I'm not saying emphatically. This could be dangerous, Jesus. You sure you want to go back there? They wanted to stone you. 2 Timothy 1.7 God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. If that's our position and our place and the spirit that's in us, then we should not let man make us afraid of them. It'll produce a snare. But when we trust God, produces righteousness in our life and we're safe because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Verse 9, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? And notice he's talking about daylight. He's talking about the light of the world. If anyone walks, peripateo, it's how you, what you're occupied with. It's your general treading all about how you're living, where your feet are going. Are you following the light of the world about his business, proclaiming his truth?
anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. Do you see the light of the world? Do you hear his voice? Are you testifying? Are you a living witness that he's changed your life, that he's called you out of the pit, out of the grave? But, verse 10, if one walks peripateo, this is what you're occupied with, this is how you're living in the night, in the darkness, he stumbles. And why does he stumble? Because the light is not in him. Listen, and if the light is not in you, you're not God's. Listen, this is not talking about, oh, I fell down, oh, I sinned, oh, I messed up. But listen, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is talking about if you're practicing and you're occupied with, and this is what you're okay with, and you've been giving yourself an excuse, oh, I was rebellious, but now I said a prayer, and you're not actively looking to go and be and do the witnessing that you're called to do. Listen, I'm, I'm just giving you the gospel, and you can reject it or you can receive it. It's a pretty powerful gospel, though. And he's a very powerful God that no one can ever subdue. You don't have to walk in unbelief. You have to spend time at his feet. Anoint him as king over your life. And understand that he wants you to get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. Confess your sin and surrender to him and go and make disciples. The ministry of reconciliation of souls is the only reason why we're still here. And yes, as you do the natural, he'll do the supernatural. He'll put that fire in your bones. He'll lead you in the places you're supposed to be. Will he make them listen? No, he won't make you listen either. He's a gentleman. He give you free will. You can choose to believe an apostate gospel. You can choose to, to live in unbelief as Eve did. You can choose whatever you want to choose. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord our God. I choose the voice of God. I choose the word of God. And if they slay me to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the and I just pray for grace and mercy to speak no matter what. Because I know who saved me. I know who called me out. And I am not perfect, but I'm being perfected. I'm not who I, I'm going to be, but I'm not who I used to be. Listen, you can throw in all those cliches. But there's a problem when the church doesn't even learn the cliches much less the voice of God because we're so trapped in self instead of being crucified so that he can raise us. Listen, Colossians 3, and I often go here, and the very first word is if. It's up to you. You make the decision. Put yourself on trial. If then you were raised with Christ. It means in company with Christ. We were raised together. It means to rouse from sleep or rouse from permanent death. 
If you were raised with Christ, what am I supposed to do? Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind, your affections on things above, not on the things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore, put to death, reckon the old man dead, your members which are on the earth. And then he goes on to list them. And then he tells you how to put on the newness of life, the new clothing, the new apparel that God gives you as an inheritance. And I can't stay there all day because we got to finish these few verses. Peripateo, where are you walking at? What are you occupied with? your walk at large. How you living? It actually means following. Who are you following? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. John 10, 27. We're following the good shepherd and the good shepherd has sent his spirit back to lead us out of this world, out of selfishness, out of our sin nature. Is the light in you? How bright is your light? Verse 11, these things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Are you asleep? God wants to wake you up. He wants you to walk circumspectly, not continuing as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. For the days are evil. Then his disciples said, we've learned a lot. Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. Of course, the word he used there was the word to be deceased, to be dead. And he's going to wake him up. How's he going to wake him up? He's going to hear his voice and come out of the grave. It's interesting that the word uh, in 12 here, if he sleeps, he will get well. The word get well mean, is sozo. It's a word for safe. To be delivered and protected. To be made whole. It's related to the word for salvation. So they understand they're being drawn in. If he's asleep, he'll get sozo. You'll deliver and protect him. But they think that he's sleeping. However, 13, Jesus spoke of his death. Death of the body. But they thought he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. That's because that word can also mean slumbering. They supposed or were of the opinion that he was taking a nap. But as you draw near and you reason with God, he'll correct you. Then Jesus said to them plainly. This is the word that Paul uses for boldness. 
Pray for me that I would have boldness to speak the gospel as I ought to speak. This is all outspokenness. This is frankness. It's bluntly and openly. This is what he said to them with boldness. Lazarus is dead. And then he has this commentary that sometimes is hard to understand, but we know that we have to go through it. And he says in 15, And I am glad. Curios. Curio. C-H-A-I-R-O. I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing, he says. I'm cheerful about it. I'm calmly happy about this for you, for your sakes. You personally, your sakes, bodily. It's the people together. What? Somebody's dead and I'm happy for your sakes, God would say? Come on, my loved one's dead and God would say, I'm happy, I'm rejoicing for your sake. That's why I always, I mean, you know, when I did my wife's funeral, it was so totally different than any funeral I've ever done, uh, expectantly. But when I do other funerals, I always address the family and let them know that God wants an audience with you. It's not about the family member, yet we twist it, we flip it upside down. God is using death to bring life, and he wants to talk to the family who's going through the suffering. The person in the casket is no longer suffering for that moment. And for eternity, if they knew Jesus, they're no longer suffering. Jesus says, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Isn't that interesting? What's he saying? Is he, is he showing the weakness of his flesh? Oh, no, no, no. He didn't give in to any weakness of his flesh. But even in the garden, he was, he was like, Father, if, this, if, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. I mean, think about the weakness of the flesh that he was going through, yet, yet his spirit never gave in to his flesh. But he sat in the garden of Gethsemane and he sweated great drops of blood. Hematidrosis, it's called. They, they, and very few people, but the capillaries are, 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 are exploding and blood is coming out of sweat glands. It's such pressure not to give in to the flesh. And none of us have ever, Hebrews chapter 12, none of us have ever fought with sin to the point of bloodshed. But he asked the Father, he pleaded with the Father, if there's any other way. So he was glad he wasn't there. That you, them standing there, you and I down the corridors of time with the testimony of what God is going to do as he speaks and Lazarus hears his voice and comes out, may believe, pistio, put your trust in Christ for your spiritual salvation, for your to be made whole, to escape the sin nature and receive a new nature as a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
Nevertheless, let us go to him. Wasn't there. It's for your sake, but I will come to you. You can cast your care upon me. I'm concerned with life. I'm concerned with what you're going through. Then Thomas, remember Thomas? My pastor's name is Thomas. See, Thomas gets a bad rap all the time. and You have to read the gospel. This is just, it, it's just silly. And I, and I do this. I can't mention Thomas or talk about the text without telling you that it's silly that we call Thomas Doubting Thomas. Plain silly. Because the text says all of them doubted. Thomas was the one that was bold enough to speak up and say what was on his heart. And he said, unless I put my hands in the wounds, unless I feel it, I'm not going to believe it. He wasn't there when the rest of them seen him and he sat down at the table and ate with them. And he says, you can't just tell me I want to see it. And then he, so Jesus, knowing what he had said, came into the room and said, here, feel, touch, handle. And he said, my Lord and my God. And he said, you believe now in seeing? Blessed are those who do not see. More blessed and yet still believe. You and I referring to those who weren't going to be there to see physically, but would live by faith. Thomas, who is called Didymus, the twin, said to his fellow disciples, he speaks up, Thomas does, Mr. Doubter, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, we're going to close there. Here's the heart, here's the sentiment. Here's, it, it's the same thing that we're going to see in Peter in the garden. Peter later says, if all die, or if all flee and all leave you, I'll not leave you, I will die with you. Same thing Thomas is saying, and they all agree. But only Peter pulls out a sword and tries to protect him. And because he doesn't know his own heart, and he's in the wrong spirit, and he's trying to be busy about something instead of resting at Jesus' feet and hearing his words, Jesus said to him, Simon, Simon Barjona, the devil is asked to sift you, but I have prayed for you. And when you return, strengthen the brethren. So Thomas has this thought, well, they almost killed him last time. They were going to stone him. They're done with him. They've totally rejected him. He understands that when they get to Jerusalem, there's going to be death. He believes that. And he says, we're going anyway. Let's go. Let's all go with him. Let's also go that we may die with him. It's a fleshly sentiment, I believe. But they're willing to do it. And they go with them. And we'll pick that up next week. Are you willing to, to die to be with Christ? I believe that's a wedding. Shared that at my wife's funeral. I believe that's a true wedding. When you say, I will, when you say, I do, the two die to who they were. And the two become one. And they build a life together. That's really where the funeral was at in my life. 
And it is so very hard. Are you ready to give up your life a living sacrifice and be led by the light of the world? Are you ready to follow? I would encourage you. We're going to have some fellowship. We're going to have uh, communion uh, today. But I would encourage you to get alone by yourself and talk with God and say, what's distracting me from following you? Am I making a crooked path, Lord, or are you making my path straight? Is the gospel changing me, or am I changing the gospel so that it fits myself? Very important to know now. Very important to know today. Very important to make a decision today to be crucified with Christ. And I no longer live the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What say you? Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for Mary, their rebellion. And Martha, she was rebellious. And Lazarus, that we know that you have come to help. And you're an ever-present help in time of need. You come alongside to convict of, of sin and, and judgment and righteousness. And Lord, we receive that conviction. And we ask, Lord, you give us a desire to follow you. That we would forget that which is behind and we would press on onward and upward toward the higher call of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I